Welcome. Let's begin to get down to the substance of the two weeks. Uh, just give me 10, 10, maybe 15 minutes of your time to introduce it, and then we will introduce the faculty in at least a perfunctory manner, and then we'll begin. Begin what? Begin taking two weeks out of your lives, okay? Just relax. You're among friends. We're all students. We're all teachers. We're all professors. All those three things are one. We know that, right? They're very best. There's no such... You can't hear me. I'm beginning to say interesting things. I would like you to. I can't... You know, I have to lean, lean into it like this and make love to the mic. <laughs> Can you hear me now? I wish I could sing. I'd do it. Scooby-dooby-doo. Um, look, uh, you're busy people. Um, even during uh, the period in which you're teaching, and when I say you, of course, I'm also referring to me. We do the same thing you do. We're all teachers. Uh, we just You teach 18-year-olds and we teach 19-year-olds. It's not a big mm -hmm. difference, right? There's a different bureaucratic structure that allows or not allows us to teach well, but that's a different problem. We're not here to talk about those things. We're going to cast everything unimportant aside for two weeks. Our sweet wives, our wonderful children, <coughs> excuse me, right? our mortgages, our car payments, and so forth. And uh, get back to the beginning of things get back to, to speak in Greek tones, get back to the cause, to the cause and to the end of things. Look what's behind me. You know, we're not Albanians here or Hungarians or Russians. We are all those things, all mixed up in a weird way that gives us an identity that's sufficiently different and entirely interesting from the rest of the world. Now, this may not make us any better. That's not the issue here. The issue is what is that identity and what is the cause of it and what is the end of it? That's all you're going to be doing here. This is rocket science. This is human rocket science, right? Seriously. When uh, Senator Lamar Alexander pushed through this legislation, I guess he was the prime co-sponsor and the fellow in Mississippi? Uh, Roger Wicker. Wicker. Roger Wicker, a congressman in Mississippi. We didn't know anything about it until the very end, and then I read it, um, uh, what this Presidential Academy yeah, for American History and Civics was supposed to do. And uh, Roger and I glanced at one another and said, shoot, you know, we've been doing this for about 16 years. It, it, it read as if we had written the legislation, uh, duly uh, passed by both houses and signed by the President of the United States and so forth. And um, we have been conducting seminars, institutes under all kinds of auspices, including uh, Teaching American History grants, more current um, bicentennial of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, we've been doing all this stuff from about 1990 or 91, Roger, I can't remember. Uh, and we've been doing it reasonably well. You know, we like doing it because uh, as the professors who used to teach in these seminars, some of them are in this room, uh, way back in 1990, said that high school teachers are the best students. Because, you know, they've been around, 
they know what to look for. They can distinguish the, you know, the crux of the matter from the ephemeral. Um, when they, they hear someone thinking out loud, they appreciate it and tell you, as opposed to our 18-year-old students will come back in 20 years and say, you know that class you had on Lincoln? That wasn't bad 20 years ago. I just realized it. <laughs> and of course, we're gratified in hearing all that, but the immediate gratification that professors got from teaching high school teachers was very good for them, uh, and I think good for the teachers. So anyway, we look at this legislation, and, and I, when I first started reflecting on it, I happened to be in a, uh, listening in on a seminar that Professor Flannery, whom you will meet in a moment, uh, was teaching at Ashland, the Ashbrook Center. Um, and he was making a point as I was reflecting on exactly what to do to apply for this grant that was substantial and worth doing and in fact was the stuff that we've already been doing so how do you articulate this now to put it in a different term to tell these people you know <laughs> handing out this money hey, we've been doing this for 16 years just give us the money you know, <laughs> you know that's what you want to do right but of course you can't do that so you have to you have to put it in a package that is um, um, so we say, shall we say, self-evidently good. So I'm listening to Flannery, not actually pontificate because he doesn't. He sort of lectures occasionally, but mostly he's, he converses with his audience. And he's making a point. I'm way in the back, of course, like all bad students, you know, way in the back, trying to hide. And he's making a point about how to teach and how we must consider what our audience, or, or students, shall we call them, know. And he says that, as, he's, as I'm thinking to myself about this grant, he's saying that there's only three documents in American history that everyone seems to be familiar with. And only three. And that's the Declaration of Independence, speaks to self-evident truths, the Gettysburg Address, that calls it a proposition See how it's rocket science? We're already into geometry. And then very quickly, like with all rocket science, move, you move into theology, and Martin Luther King Jr. calls it the creed. And I'm hearing this, and I had one of those Hegelian Augenblicks. You know what I mean? Where everything comes together like that, and I said, oh my gosh, that's what we'll do. We'll go into American history to know the cause and the end of it, by the three documents and, of course, the three events, the events, the man-made events, the works of creativity of the American soul, the three events that were caused by these documents, and we're going to focus on that, and that's those documents, that one idea, call it creed, call it a proposition, call it self-evident truth, that gives movement to your people that idea that moves your people from here to there and there and here and there. That idea that is in your soul that moves you naturally, as a natural thing moves itself. That idea is the only thing that merits studying and that will explain, understand, interpret all events in American history and around which everything, therefore, revolves. I think this can be explained. I think everyone will self-evidently understand this. And these three things, in the three cities, says I to myself, will be the crowbar that we 
punch in, make a little opening, make three openings, and have a peek. And let those holes made by those crowbars open ever wider and have the peak turn into a look, a glance, and then a look, and then something more. That's what we're here for. Nothing else counts. Everything else, everything else that you do here, and I thank everyone for doing everything that they had and uh, that they have done in all the administration and the bureaucracy, and I thank the Department of Education, of course. We'll have an occasion to thank these folks in Washington. They've invited us on the Senate floor, and we will thank them. But everything is a means to this end. That's why we're here. Now, is this good? <laughs> it's excellent. It's excellent. It's made excellent by the ideas, by the documents that you have been investigating, that you will investigate, and of course, by what we call the curriculum, and by the faculty. These are, um, let me be clear on this. These are folks who have other things to do, but they'd rather be here. That's number one. They'd really rather be here. So this is not a burden for them. This is a real pleasure. Take advantage of that pleasure. I'm asking you. Okay, seriously, as students, as fellow teachers, take advantage of that pleasure. You have the list in front of you. I'll name them and say a few words about each of them. These are the best people we can find. It's that simple. Period. If you think that's not true when you're finished here, I want to know about it. I'm serious. I can't imagine that you will think other than I think in this. We have experience with these folks. Lucas Morell uh, has been working on our programs for more years than I can remember. He's in charge of the whole thing, academically. He will be here for the whole two weeks, from the, from the beginning, the middle, and the end. Uh, he's an admirable human being, an, uh, an excellent scholar, and an extraordinary teacher, as you'll find out. And I thank you, Lucas. Massive effort. Family still in Virginia, sweating it out. Thank your wife for letting you come out and play. Appreciate it. The Philadelphia part, now, by the way, before I push on, you understand that every single one of these faculty are interchangeable. So I say, well, Lucas Morell, you know, he happens to, uh, what the guy teaches, of course, courses on the founding and the Federalist Papers and so forth, and never mind Lincoln and race in America, and, you know, and look at his writings. Uh, he's on the Lincoln Bicentennial Commission, just coming out with another piece uh, on, on Charnwood's Lincoln in the, uh, what is it called, the Lincoln Review? The Journal of the Abraham Lincoln Association. Of course, that's what it should be called. <laughs> uh, He's published widely on everything from uh, Lincoln to uh, Ralph Ellison, Malcolm X for that matter, Frederick Douglass. There's no reason that, <coughs> that, uh, that Professor Morell or Professor Flannery, can you raise your hand, Chris, for a second? It's Christopher Flannery from Azusa Pacific University in California who's here for the Philadelphia leg, um, that he can't teach the Washington leg, that is to say, the progressive movement on. And Charles Kessler, who's, whom you're going to meet, who's a professor at Claremont McKenna College, uh, whose edition of the Federalist Papers you have, but he's not talking about the Federalist Papers, he's going to be talking about the 20th century and the progressive movement, but of course he could be here in Philadelphia doing this. So when you're with Kessler in Washington, if you say, you know, Morrell misled me on the Federalist, Anti-Federalist dispute in some sense, I want you to straighten that out. I think you should ask Kessler. 
You see what I mean? I'm serious. There's no reason that you can't press him hard. Uh, these Californians are sometimes wimpy in appearance, but much more substantive, <laughs> much more substantive um, than they appear. Press him hard. David Hackett Fisher you'll meet, of course. Uh, you know who he is. Uh, Gordon Lloyd, who's not, Gordon, where is he? Uh, he he'll be back. Or he might not be here later tonight. He just flew in, right? Uh, so you're, you're with him uh, tomorrow morning. No, tomorrow afternoon he starts. Excuse me, evening. Sorry, I'm going to do three three talks on the Constitutional Convention. He's Professor Pepperdine. Uh, you have, of course, his work on the Anti-Federalist and uh, and and the Bill of Rights. Um, <laughs> what can I say about Professor Lloyd? Uh, he's an extraordinary teacher, um, who who who's also writing stuff on FDR and political economy. He's a very broad-ranging individual. Um, Please take advantage of his knowledge, especially of the Constitutional Convention. You will meet no one, and I include Flannery and Morell in this, in this particular case. You will meet no one who knows more about the Convention than, than, than Gordon Lloyd. You guys want to dispute that? Good. You're wise. Uh, he really knows. He, he really knows everything about it. Um, the... One of our sites is called uh, teachingamericanhistory.org. Do you know this site? Some of you do not because I talked to a few of you. There's all kinds of documents and so very interesting stuff on there. But there's also a very, very fine piece on the Constitutional Convention which includes Madison's notes. This is teachingamericanhistory.org. Um, Lloyd did that. It's the best thing on the, on the internet, on the Constitutional Convention. It's a four-act play that he wrote. He wrote an introduction to it. He's got a map of Philadelphia. You can check this out tonight. He's got a map of Philadelphia that is just extraordinary, by the way, as well as a Christie painting and all kinds of explanations. This is very good for you to study and a wonderful uh, tool for your students. I highly recommend it. That's Lloyd's work, okay? Um, David Hackett Fisher is a, you know, uh, he's just, his books are wonderful, and he's a wonderful human being. Take advantage of him. Pulitzer Prize is irrelevant. Um, you're going to go to Gettysburg with, of course, Lucas, and uh, you're going to spend a lot of time with Alan Gelzo. Now, this is, you know, you know, what, what do I say about Gelzo when McPherson is also going to be there? You're going to, McPherson's going to take you on the, on the, on, on, on to the battlefield, right? Now, listen to me. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm envying you because I can't do this, you see. I have other, you know, I have crap work to do at home. <laughs> Although this is the real work and everything else is crap. Jim McPherson is going to take you onto the battlefield, Gettysburg. Have you looked at his new book on Antietam? It's two years old now. Have you, have you looked at it at all? Um, it's part of that pivotal series that Oxford publishes that he, McPherson, and David Hackett Fisher edit. He begins the, uh, if, you're in, if you have the slightest doubt of why we're here, and why this merits study, and why you should love this subject, and why if you do love your subject and know something about it, your students will fall in love with the subject too, then reflect on this. John, my son John, raise your hand, John. John is visiting for a couple of days. He and I rode my motorcycle, whose name is Isabella. Uh, from Ohio, 600 miles the long way. When you ride a bike, you're always, you never go as the crow flies. You know what I mean? You're always just sort of, because the pleasure is in the ride, not in getting 
to the destination. And one of the things that we passed and almost stopped that we'll do it on the way back home is Gettysburg. Now, McPherson begins his book on Antietam by uh, more American lives were lost in a 24-hour period in Antietam than any other time. I mean, you'll get, get this from the real people, not me. You know what I'm talking about. But McPherson says the following in the beginning of the Antietam book. Lee's men are marching again towards Gettysburg in June. They're days away from the 3rd and 4th of July. And they notice that over the fields they're marching, crunching, deep, hard, crunching sound is made by their boots. They don't know whence comes the sound, but it continues as tens of thousands of Lee's soldiers march on. And finally, a few of them begin to look down after minutes and minutes of this, and they realize that the crunching is the bones, the bones from the Battle of Antietam, walking over the dead. Think about that. Know the cause of that. Give Lincoln the benefit of the doubt as King gave Lincoln the benefit of the doubt. As Lincoln gave Jefferson the benefit of the doubt. Reflect on that. It's poetic. It's interesting. It's intrinsically more interesting. If anyone ever says that the study of American history is boring, you should shoot them. It's an insane thing to say. It's the most interesting thing a human being can study. I say human being, not only an American. We're going to meet Gelzo, one of the most interesting guys writing on Lincoln. Uh, Redeemer president, uh, his book on the, uh, on the Emancipation Proclamation is non-parallel. It's wonderful. It's the best thing ever written on the subject. Um, McPherson speaks for himself. They're both very congenial, very interesting people. In Washington, you're going to be spending time with Juan Williams. Most of you know him, right? <laughs> because we watch television. Uh, he's a very interesting uh, person, a uh, very thoughtful guy, by the way, also extremely personable, uh, and has written a couple of very good books, including the Thurgood Marshall biography and Eyes on the Prize, and Civil Warriors from 54 to 65. Charles Kessler, I mentioned, is Professor Claremont McKenna. Uh, he's going to take you through the progressive movement and see how that has reshaped America for good or ill and uh, even though he is also a scholar of the founding. I hope that in just outlining this and the way I see it, I hope you take advantage of these two weeks. Sit back, relax, you're among friends. We are friends. We're fellow citizens and friends. We are all teachers, including your professors. Um, the mode is participatory, Socratic, if you like, um, conversational, minimal lectures, involved. The guest lecturers will tend to do that more than the rest of us. Um, please take advantage of the conversation. That doesn't mean that the week, the two weeks isn't going to be rough. It will be rough. It's difficult. It really, we all know that. It's already been difficult if you've done your homework. But it's very satisfying work. I hope you take advantage of it. And on behalf of the Ashbrook Center and Ashland University, I welcome you.
Thanks for watching.